Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Organizing... Ah! Journey to Organization. (laughs) I forgot who I was talking to for a moment. Uh, As some of you might know, I have a group also called Organizing in Israel. So um, I just finished doing a live broadcast for that group. So I got confused for a second. I apologize. I'm Rebecca Saltzman. Again, this is episode 38 of Journey to Organization. So I want to start with... um, little housekeeping. I have a whole bunch of voicemails. Um, Not a lot of questions this week, so I'll just sort of read you the notes that I took. Um, Okay, the first one is Hannah in Manchester. She called to tell me, the less you have, the more organized you can be. The more you free your mind. Um, She just gave birth, Mazal Tov. She moved with her kids to her mother's house and only took a limited amount of things with her. And it was Interesting, she said, that she only has a few things for each child, and it's easier to know what belongs to whom and where everything is, and she can see what a different it, how having less makes such a huge difference in her life. Ladies, I implore you to fear not. Having enough, fear the fear of not having enough. Sorry, I couldn't read my own handwriting. The fear of not having enough is holding us back. Do not fear. Hashem is always giving us everything we need. So you will always have have enough. Now I want to skip over my notes here for a second and uh, tell you about Shalamis from Chicago because she also had a baby, Mazel Tov Shalamis, and she moved. Now Shalamis has been calling me since the summertime, telling me how she's been decluttering, decluttering, and decluttering while Shalamis Congratulations. It has paid off. Shalamis told me that um, she moved and had a baby all within a week. And she was unpacked within three days because she decluttered and had less stuff. What she said to me was, I was able to declutter because I have a normal amount of stuff, not a hoarder's amount of stuff. So she didn't have too much stuff to start with, but she needed to get rid of a lot of it. She said she got out tons of bags of stuff. Um, and in Ju- July through September, she got rid of over 200 items. She was a saver of clothing, but she took to heart the saying, let someone else use it that I always say, let someone else have it. And she passed on a lot of clothing to people who could actually use the clothing now. She called me back and she said, from August to September, she got rid of 170 items and she went at that pace for about six months. So that's pretty close to the 2017 and 27, or that's like halfway to the 2017 and 2017 goal. So that's really, really good. Um, From this process, she says she learned she has a voice and she knows what she likes um, and what she doesn't like. And now she can make distinctions based on that. And when she is buying, it's a lot more clear. So Kolakavod to you, Shalamis. That's really great. Um, okay, so let's see here. Hadassah from Lakewood has three-year-old twins who she says very under very who understand very well about throwing away projects and that's amazing, Hadassah. I'm so glad that your three-year-old twins are able to throw away projects. Um, that's like really highly evolved kids. Um, most kids that I encounter really don't have that skill. So um, you're really lucky. 
for the ladies who don't have kids who are so highly evolved, uh, it's a process and you can get through it. <laughs> um, okay, so Miriam called me about laundry. She says she makes piles on a bed. Uh, oh, this was in reference to the to the tip that I had seen on a video um, where a lady had six kids and she made a, excuse me, um, a nine slot cubby with a basket in each one and then one for like one the extra basket was for like other household items like sheets and towels that needed to get put away so miriam says um for laundry she makes piles on a bed and the kids have to put uh everything away and um they have to do it the same day uh and they she only folds for her younger kids um but i think that's great that your kids are willing to put away um but I had a client, or I have a client, who told me that she used to sleep on her bed with everything on it and she would just curl up into the corner because that was the only place she could fit. And I want to just make sure that like you stay on your kids' backs because some kids are like, I don't care about that. Who cares? I don't care if I'm sleeping on the clean clothes or the dirty clothes or whatever it is. And they just, you know? Uh, so if that's working for you, Miriam, I'm thrilled. That sounds like a good system. But I'm not sure that it will actually work for everybody because some kids are lazy. <laughs> My kids certainly are. I have to ask them like six times to please take their laundry upstairs when I'm folding it and put it away. Um, eventually they do it. Sometimes they just put it on their desk. Uh, it's tricky. Actually, I'm thinking about getting baskets for each one of them for my boys anyways, because my daughter loves to fold her clothes, but my boys are just like, ah, throw it in the closet. So I was thinking of making a basket for each one of them for like their shirts in one basket, their shorts in another basket this way. If it's not folded, it's no big deal, but everything is just sort of contained. I'm not sure yet. My husband thinks it's a good idea, but I haven't totally decided yet. Um, Hindi said, thanks for speaking lively. It gives her a lot of things to think about. Um, and Shifra from Lakewood called and said, um, I guess this is a little bit old, but she saw that at Aldi, uh, they were having some sort of other robot, off-brand robot on sale. Um, I actually, I know you think I would like that store, Shifra. I've actually been to that store, um, and I don't like it. I, everything in that store is in packaging, and it actually really bothers me. Um, yeah, I mean, I know that they do have good deals, but even like the fruits and vegetables, or at least when I was in there, it was all in packaging, and that actually sort of really annoyed me. Um, she grew up with parents who said gifts were a non-Jewish custom, and the guilt is their minhag. So, kolakavod, I'm so glad for that. Um, and then, let's see. Um... Right. Basi said, there are people who don't give gifts. They have latkes and dreidels and gelt and, and light Hanukkah candles and that's it. Um, kolakavod. <laughs> I try to do that too, uh, but it's hard because a lot of our family are like, yeah, we want to send a present. We want to give a gift. Um, I'm like, my kids don't need anything, but yalla, that's what they want to do. So you just smile and say thank you, right? Um, okay. Someone called and didn't leave a, uh, their name, and she said she just went through the toys and gave a lot away and put some things in storage, and they can swap out the toys in a few weeks. 
That's really, really great. Uh, I love when people swap out the toys. Um, when you go before you swap them out, um, it's a good opportunity to ask your kids, like, do you still want this? Do you still play with it? Because I th after not seeing it for a while, they'll actually have more opinions on whether they miss it or not. So that's actually a good habit to get into too. Um, she says that she gives money and puts it in the bank and they can buy things later on. So that's a really great idea also. Um, she also said that she loves to give gift cards. Okay. Gitty called about the iRobot and she wanted to know, does it go into corners and uh, between chairs? I actually put my chairs on the table every night and it goes that way. I mean, it's not like 100% perfect in the corners, but it's pretty good. Um, and I don't really have anything to complain about. Um, she asked me about the cleaner version of the iRobot and I honestly can't say that I didn't want to buy it because it comes with like a reusable or not reusable pad with cleaning solution in it and I don't like having that stuff in my house so I'm not going to get it. Okay, Tachlis. Shifra also asked me to talk more about time management. So tonight I actually want to talk about time management because I feel like I've been putting it off um, a lot and oh uh, I want to say two things. The first is thank you so much to Elisheva for being uh, on my show last week. Uh, so many of you responded favorably. I will try to do more interviews with people who I think are relevant to you. Um, I'm so, so glad you liked it. Um, and so thank you, Elisheva. And um, did anybody find um, the Parsha question that I asked everybody last week? Where Nobody called me and asked and said they found it. So I'll just tell you, it's Parshas Vayishlach, Parak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Kafhei. The Rashi there says, anybody? Okay, I forgot, I'm talking to myself. Rashi says, Yaakov, well, he doesn't say Yaakov, he says, Shachach Pachim Ktanim Vechozer Elehem. He forgot uh, small Pachim are jars. Um, and he went back to return them and to return for them. I'm sorry. So I just thought it was like a really cool uh, reference to being cognizant of the things that we own in the Torah. It's funny because I actually think it's a zero waste uh, reference. I think Yaakov Avina was almost sort of the father of you know, zero waste, um, you know, that he felt that he um, had to go back for these small items, even though Asaph's coming to attack him, right? But he, he, he goes back to them because he knows that they're holy because they belong to him because he's a tzaddik and tzaddikim give spirituality to um, inanimate objects. But also, you know, my friend said to me, oh, he's totally a hoarder because he, you know, had to go back for, you know, these items and that makes him a hoarder. But I actually, I don't actually think it's hoarding. I think it's actually zero waste. I feel like if, if he was actually a hoarder, he would sort of have known that he left something behind. Um, but also, if he was a hoarder, uh, he wouldn't have been able to separate that stuff from the first part of 
like cargo, if you will, that he sent over the river previously the day before. So I actually think that uh, it's totally zero waste. Um, he really just understood the value of the objects and he took the time, excuse me, took the time to pick them out. And, you know, I just think that it's really, I don't know, worth worthwhile to sort of examine that. Why did he do it? Um, what was the motivation? Why why are these pachim so important? We don't we don't know. Rashi just says they're pachim. I mean, they're important because, like I said, Sadiqim give a certain holiness to, you know, mundane objects by virtue of the fact that they own them. So maybe he felt like Hashem had gifted these things to me and now I have to take care of them. That's true. But I also think it was a lot more difficult to acquire objects. And so he took had taken time to acquire them and he valued them because he had acquired them because they were necessary and needed. I don't think he acquired them for the sake of just accumulation. I think... Um, he acquired them because he actually needed them. And it's funny because I actually gave this Dvar Torah to a group on a Shabbaton that I was on this weekend. And someone came up to me after the Dvar Torah and said to me, you know, Yaakov Avinu understood that, you know, having no things means you know, you're, you're, you're dead. He, all he had was his staff. He said, if I wouldn't have had my staff, then I would be, you know, like I'm a dead man because a dead man truly has nothing. So I think that having some things, and I mean, it's a valid point. I, I, he, his point was that Yaakov didn't actually care about the things. All he needed was his staff. But I actually think that things, help us enjoy the world that we live in. It's nice to have nice things. It's nice to look at beautiful things. It's nice to touch nice things. Those things and help help us enjoy the world. At the same time, having too much of them takes away our enjoyment. So I feel like Yaakov just understood the balance of having too much and not enough or too little. And he knew that those pachim were essential to who he was himself and that they were part of what he needed to be the best Yaakov he could be. And I think that that's a really, this is just me like postulating here, but I actually think that that could be a really great message for all of us is that we really do know what we need, like which objects make us our best selves. So if we can just look around our houses and say, this object doesn't make me my best self, doesn't help me. It doesn't do anything for me. It's time to let it go. Um, I think we'll appreciate the objects that remain a lot more and get a lot closer to being the spiritual beings that we want to be. Okay. So that's enough about the Barsha. And I'm not going to talk about Hanukkah because it was overwhelming from a lot of the other um, voicemails that I got, which was sort of like, we don't give Hanukkah gifts. And that's really great. Um, I envy that. In my family, we grew up um, getting money and getting gifts and playing dreidel and uh, having latkes and doing sufganiyot and doing Hanukkah candles. We grew up doing everything and it was all very, I don't know, a lot. I mean, I have seriously amazing memories from when I was a kid playing with my cousins with M&M's um, dreidel on the floor. That was like my 
or jelly beans even those <laughs> I love doing that and I still remember and I love to do that with my kids um actually with my kids now we actually play with chocolate gelt that's it's like a little bit more of an investment to buy all those bags of gelt and it's so not zero waste but um they love it and it actually keeps the candy eating down to a minimum because they can only shell the the wrapper so fast um so i don't want to talk about hanukkah i really want to just talk about a little bit of time management because i feel like a lot of people have been asking me about it the thing is is that you guys haven't been asking me specific questions about time management just sort of to talk about time management so i'm not really sure what areas are problematic for you so here's what i want to do i just want to give a general um a general problem like a few general problems that i think that people have with time management and um then you guys can you ladies can give me feedback and sort of tell me if i'm speaking about things that are relevant to you or not so or if you want to hear like about a different topic so here's what i think I think that people in general, excuse me, are not good at multitasking. I just don't think that even people who can do it reasonably well can't really do it well. I mean, you see people walking down the street looking at their cell phones and they bump into things or they make stupid mistakes because they're brains are engaged in two activities at once and they can't focus really on either one and do either one of them well. And so one thing I think that's really important to remember in time management is to just focus on one task at a time. Now, during this other lecture I just gave, um, I used the analogy of a recipe. So let's say you're making like a stew or even if you're just, um, I make this thing on Shabbos. It's I call it chillant-ish. Um, <laughs> it's more like a stew, uh, but basically what I do is I saute carrots and uh, onions and celery, and then I brown the meat, and then I pour it into the crock pot with some tomato sauce. And I let it sit there, and then we have it for lunch, and the meat is tender and delicious, and it's really, really tasty. Anyway, the thing is, is that with that recipe, you have to understand, or with any recipe, you have to understand, you have to know, you have to plan it out. So for example, the first step is to chop the onions and then to brown the onions and then to chop the carrots and then to saute the carrots and then to chop the celery and then to saute the celery and then to brown the meat and then to put it on the crock pot. But actually I skipped two essential steps, which was and this sounds stupid to say this out loud, but you really have to consider it as two steps. I didn't, well, actually it's more steps, but let's break it down on just the cooking process. I didn't turn the stove on and I didn't put oil in the pan. Okay. So the, and, and if we really want to go one step further, we could say, we need to take out the pan. We need to take out the cutting board. We need to take out the knife, right? Okay, so those are all the things we need to get the job done, right? You need to plug in the crock pot first and let the crock pot heat up. So there's all these different steps that we're not even considering really when we're doing the task. But if we actually, and this is obviously simplifying a task just to make a point, but if we really 
break down each step, okay, then we're able to use our time better so that we don't have to multitask. So if we understand the first step is take out the pot. The second step is to put it on the stove. The third step is, I mean, you could do this in whatever order you want, but to light the fire. And then I pour the olive oil in. And while the olive oil is heating up, then I chop my onions. And then I put my onions in. And I let the onions brown. And in the meantime, I chop my carrots. And then hopefully by the time I'm done chopping my carrots, my onions are done. And then I put the carrots in. And then I chop my celery, which is pretty fast. And the carrots and the onions aren't totally ready yet. So maybe I'll put in a little bit of salt. And then I will, while I'm waiting for the carrots and the celery to get, uh, to onions to get ready, I'll go ahead and I'll plug in my crock pot and I'll turn it on. And maybe I'll get out the tomato sauce at the same time. And then I'll go back to my celery and add the celery in and let it sit there. And then I'll pull the celery and the carrots and the onions out and pour it in the crock pot and then I'll brown the meat and then I'll put the meat in the crock pot and then I'll close the lid and I'll forget about it till Shabbos, right? But the thing is, is that there's a crucial step in there that I want to just point out, which was while I was waiting for the carrots and the celery to saute and like cook down a little bit, I went ahead and I started on the next step of the task, even though it was two steps ahead. So I'd already cut the celery and I was waiting to put the celery in, but I went ahead and I put... I put on the crock pot because I know that that's the next step. And I have surmised that it takes, you know, approximately 40 seconds to walk over to my shelf, get my crock pot, walk it over to the counter and plug it in. And I know that I have enough time to complete that task before I need to get back to the celery and the carrots. So the idea of laying out, and again, this is totally simplified, but it, the idea of laying out the task so that you're counting it like down to the minute is really like key. That, that is why when you're maximizing each minute that you have, you don't need to multitask and you're not able to multitask. Now, I'm not talking about while you're doing all of this talking on the phone. I personally have trouble talking on the phone and doing those things. Some people don't, but really, I think that's where you make mistakes. How many times have you said to yourself, shoot, I can't believe I did that. I messed up. You know, that's the key. The key is to not mess up. Now, you don't have to do everything perfectly, but you want to get it done. And I think that when you're trying to do two things at once, you're actually making it harder for yourself to just complete the first task and you would have actually spent, maybe it's not a significant amount of time, but actually spent less time doing the task if you would have just focused on the first task at hand. So maybe we're only talking about a minute or two minutes in savings, but I think over the course of time, one to two minutes adds up, but also it's so much less frustrating. Like, in that one to two minutes, you could have really gotten frustrated that something went wrong and something could have seriously gone wrong. Something could have gotten set on fire or, you know, so it's it's understanding the limits of what's practical or, or capable with multitasking where, where what I was describing is not multitasking as much as maximizing every single minute in between. Now, I get that it's hard to apply that to other areas of your life, but let's let's consider, um, I don't know, 
I, I don't know, doing the laundry. Let's consider breaking it down, okay? Maybe doing the laundry is not a good test. Let me think for a second on what like a good um, task could be. Okay, when we do, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's like the newest thing. I know that it's a thing in America too, but it is really getting really popular here in Israel, is self-checkout at the grocery store. My husband absolutely loves the self-checkout because he can sort of go in his own pace and he can check that each object, that each item rings up at the price that it says so on the shelf. I hate it because it takes me a long time because I just, I can't, I don't know. It just takes, I think it takes longer than getting it on the belt, having the lady scan it and me bagging it while she's scanning. Because then I feel like that's multitasking where two people are doing the task so it goes faster. When I'm on the self-checkout, I feel like that takes me double the amount of time I mean, maybe I'm waiting in line less, so maybe that's better, but I don't know, just the physical task itself wears me out. But here's the thing, and this is actually, so this is a good example if you can pair the two scenarios, is that when I stand in the checkout line and I put everything on the belt, so usually there's someone ahead of me and I'm, I have half the belt, I fill up the belt and like, okay, she gets to me, and she's ringing everything up and I'm packing it up and I put it into the cart. And so I'm skipping the step of having to scan it, which can sometimes take time. And I can focus on the task of bagging it, which means that I can put everything in the right bag and I can have a few different bags going on at once because I'm only focused on putting the right food in the right bag. So for example, all the dairy in one bag, all the freezer stuff in another bag, all the dry goods in a third bag. And I can focus on the sorting task, picking up an object and putting it where it goes rather than um, having to focus on actually making sure the item scans. When I do the self-checkout, I you know, have to pick up the item from the cart, scan it and put it in a bag. Now it seems like that might be more streamlined, but it's actually three tasks all in one shot rather than one task at a time. And I still am sorting it into the different bags and it's taking me a long time. And it's actually really frustrating me because it takes me such a long time. And all the time I'm standing there muttering to myself being like, why is this taking so long? And it, it just like, I'm frustrated if the thing doesn't ring up and they have to call the lady over. And like, to me, it's such a like ridiculous effort. And I only do it if I only really have like only fruits and vegetables in my, in my cart, because those are e much easier because you don't scan them, you just weigh them. But anyway, phew. the point is, is that I understand how long both tasks take and I can make an educated decision. So if I don't have a lot of stuff in my cart, let's say I have 10 items, which like almost never happens, but I will always choose the self-checkout because then it's faster because I'm not rushing so much because it's only 10 items, but I also don't have to wait online. Um, I guess this wasn't like in retrospect, the best example I could have given, but, but the point is, is that I think the point is, is that really we need to understand how long the task takes us and like what we're going to do. Like sometimes my husband will actually call me when I'm standing in line in the checkout and I feel like I can't, he could totally talk to me and check out 
at the same time, but I actually can't do it. And I don't actually think he can really do it either. He says he can, but I think he actually stops what he's doing when he talks to me and um, focuses on what I'm saying to him because I don't actually think he's really capable of talking to me and, and checking out at the same time. And I honestly don't think that I'm capable of doing it either. And I actually hope that this week when you're looking at how you do things, stop and take note. If you're talking on the phone while you're doing dishes, do you actually let the water run a little bit longer because you're having trouble focusing on moving from one task to the next? Or when you're cooking, does are things getting slightly overcooked because you're also talking on the phone? Or, um, you know, are you messing up because again, you're talking to someone or, or are you bumping into something because you're walking and looking at your phone at the same time? Like, look at how you do a task over the next few days and really see, like, am I actually doing this faster? Would I, if I stopped for one second on the side of the road, sent a text message and then kept going, it would actually take me less time than if I text while I'm walking, right? Because you're doing two things at once and then you don't really do either one of them well. So I think that that's really an important thing. I think really let's focus on on doing one task at a time really well and see if that improves the way that we're doing things. If, if tasks are actually taking less time um, and, and also in that, I've talked about this before, but microtasking. Figure out how long it's going to take each step of the way so that you can move smoothly through the task. Think about it. Onions, carrots, celery, the same way. So you could do it in the steps so that you're not wasting time. So break the task down, do one task at a time, and just sort of be cognizant and let me know how, how that's working out for you. So... Um, I hope that this, this episode was really valuable for you. Again, if I didn't touch on the aspect of time management, that's difficult for you. Please send me a voicemail or as always, send me an email, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H at balaganbegon.com. And let me know because, you know, I want to hear and I want to talk about things that are relative, relevant to you. Um, I will say something really exciting, um, for those of you who um, go online. I am starting a 10 week challenge group. Um, every week you'll get a new challenge. Plus you'll get time that I teach a lesson and have a live question and answer session with me. Um, for every challenge you complete, you'll get $30 back, um, over the 10 weeks. So that's like $300 that you could get back on the class. Um, I'm really, really excited about this class and I'm working really, really hard on it. And I hope that if you're interested, you'll for sure, uh, send me an email and I can send you, um, information about how to sign up for the class. So the, again, Rebecca at balagambegon.com and yeah, let me know whatever you're struggling with, whether it's organization or time management or whatever your struggles are this week. I want to know so I can talk about them. Okay. I wish everybody Hatzlacha being organized. And remember, Hashem is keeping, as a mantra, Hashem is keeping me organized always and forever. Have a great week, everybody.